welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. What really are shadow people? What do you do if one appears at your breakfast table? Are the good, are they good, evil, or neither? Well, hello and welcome to the 651st broadcast of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Paul. And Ben is winging his way to Alabama on the third week of his movie shoots. Uh, he'll be back live with us in two weeks for our open line show. He's returning uh, from the Deep South on August 10th, and we'll be back with us then. Uh, not then, but the next show after that. Uh, today we once again delve into a many-faceted subject, and we welcome your phone calls. It's 800-449-1240 from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada, 401-766-1240 locally, or you can email paul at behindtheparanormal.com. Uh, we hope we have our guest uh, today, uh, Adam Tomlinson, uh, is supposed to be calling in. We haven't heard from him yet. Hopefully we will. But I'll give you his bio. Anyway, he wrote, produced, and co-stars in the new film, The Man in the Shadows, during which he says he learned a great deal about the shadow person phenomenon. Adam studied political science and archaeology at Wilfrid Laurier University in Waterloo, Ontario, and law at the University of British Columbia. He switched to script writing at Humber College in Toronto, uh, obviously Adam is Canadian, uh, after realizing that politics and law were not for him and that Indiana Jones is just a quaint story. That led to a stint as a stand-up comic, which led to acting, where he can be seen playing various villains and a couple of good guys on seasons four and five of Sci-Fi's hidden camera series, Scare Tactics. Adam's website is themaninthashadows.ca, themaninthashadows.ca. Okay, so uh, we have not heard from him yet, but let's, in the meantime, go to some of our uh, ever-expanding collection of uh, emails and questions, and let's um, just grab one here. Uh, next week we'll have an open line show, but let, let's start with, with one here. Actually, why don't we go to some of the Facebook ones, because they tend to be a little shorter, and we never seem to get to these. Uh, let's see, we have one here. for Oh, well, we're right here in our... Broadcast uh, Center, uh, Woonsocket, Rhode Island. Uh, we have Carrie. And, uh, oh dear, well, Carrie has a bit of a criticism here. Uh, you drive me crazy when you start talking about a case and don't finish talking about it. What is going on with your new case in Pennsylvania? Okay, well, uh, as uh, long-time uh, hard, hardcore listeners may know, uh, Ben and I specialize, since 2005 anyway, in investigating what we refer to as flap areas. And flap areas are areas of intense, seemingly unrelated paranormal activity. In other words, people in their house may have poltergeist activity. Things may be moving around of their own volition. They may see apparitions. Uh, and at the same time, outside, uh, neighbors may be having the same things going on. But since neighbors don't customarily pull up a chair on the front porch and start talking about their ghost problems, uh, they may not know that each other uh, is having issues in their houses. At the same time, others may be seeing UFO activity in the skies around this area, and there may even be sightings of uh, the, that lovable cryptid Bigfoot 
that sort of thing. And, and even time slips. Uh, there are reports of people pulling up to a bunch of police officers uh, in, in really old uniforms and being told they can't go this way, and then they come back five minutes later and there's nobody there. Uh, that is well recorded by, I'm thinking particularly of a scientist who has been on our show, genuine scientist who had that experience as a young person in an area that we know now is a flap area, if we're right about that theory. So that's what... Uh, Kerry is talking about, and the latest one we have started working on is in western Pennsylvania. Now, Ben and I were down there. I shouldn't say Ben and I. Uh, ben, ben couldn't make it, but it was Shane Searway, and I, Shane is on the show very frequently. His website, trueghost.com. He is one of the few investigators we will work with because he's feet on the ground, has a very, very interesting collection of talents, and he uh, is going to be co-hosting the show next week, as he often does when we have open lines. So Shane and I went out there uh, to an area of a rural area in western Pennsylvania, north, uh, west, uh, I should say northeast of Pittsburgh, somewhat northeast of Pittsburgh. And they have similar things going on to what we've encountered in the case we always talk about in the Litchfield area uh, of Connecticut. You have the shadow people phenomenon taking place. This is a relatively recent term for dark apparitions and dark figures being seen in people's homes, uh, particularly at night and things of this kind. Uh, one house in this area has, has been plagued with that. But we had an, a meeting with the uh, pretty much all the people in this rural neighborhood, and uh, they were reporting that. They were reporting Bigfoot sightings. Uh, there were lots of UFO sightings. We, we uh, took some interesting pictures at night. Uh, which we will, uh, I'll probably be showing when we, when I work them into my presentation in, at the Exeter UFO Festival on September 3rd in Exeter, New Hampshire. Uh, that's the weekend we'll be broadcasting uh, this show live from that venue at the uh, Town Hall in Exeter, New Hampshire. So uh, we'll tell you about that at the end of the show in the announcements, and you can find information on our website. So uh, in the meantime, um, I had a very strange experience on a hill. Uh, I, I seem to have a rather serious metal allergy. It's very unusual that I, that I, can, I can't even wear my own wedding ring because it, it just it, 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 I developed these rashes. Because uh, that would be difficult to wear that anyway since it was eaten by a chicken 30 years ago. That, that's, that actually happened. Anyway, um, I was on a hill that it turned out, and the, the state of Pennsylvania and several universities have done research in this archaeological research in this area. Uh, a number of fossils have been found, and apparently there was a meteor strike in this area. Uh, it's estimated around the 1500s. And so the hill I was on was full of metal. So I had all these crazy reactions. Meantime, uh, Shane, and, uh, Shane found a what appeared to be a large footprint one, one is tempted to say a Bigfoot track, and I, I have a picture that I took of my own foot next to it, and, and uh, I, I take a rather large shoe size, and this one was pretty humongous next to mine. Um, when I was recovering from this sort of um, uh, problem with the metal, uh, Shane was out there having a Bigfoot sighting of his own. Uh, he was sitting, and he'll tell you about this perhaps next week uh, or the next time we're on talking about the subject. Uh, he was sitting down uh, in a car. This, this is a 43-acre property, a lovely, lovely piece of land, as I say, very rural woods and fields. And Shane was sitting down in his um, SUV, uh, and the, he saw up between two trees this large furry figure. And uh, as he describes it, he, he's, he started his engine right away to sort of chase it, and it ran out from behind the tree, and all these deer were flushed by this, and of course, by the time he got there, he, he uh, the thing was gone. But he could see that it was at least uh, between 
like six and a half and seven feet tall, maybe, maybe taller, just from the uh, the height of the branch under which he had seen this standing. Um, there were uh, a number of um, uh, EVPs recorded at this place, uh, EVPs being electronic voice phenomena, something uh, that Ben, as a sound expert, will tell you that he's a little skeptical about. But nevertheless, uh, some of these things do seem to be interesting. Uh, neighbors were coming in talking about stories of uh, UFOs being seen. Uh, one had has a UFO who hovers over the top of their house, and they hear a humming. We've heard that on the show before. We've had reports from different listeners about that. Uh, also, there are... Um, uh, some very strange uh, phenomena having to do with the electricity. Uh, there are sightings of uh, rather strange creatures. And, and it, it goes on and on as these things do in flap areas. And ordinarily, people would not associate one uh, phenomenon with another. But we believe what's behind this is that uh, we have uh, I- intersects not with some spirit world or anything like this. We think that that's a really, really outdated theory. And we have instead uh, parallel realities uh, that are going on uh, as, as uh, stipulated or, or uh, hypothesized by quantum mechanics, parallel worlds uh, in which these creatures may live, and uh, these worlds do tend to interact in certain places um, and intersect, overlap, and the phenomena are, are seen by us here and in our particular time stream, reality, world family, whatever you want to call it, and that is the basis of paranormal experiences. I think it really could be as simple as that. Maybe we're wrong, but that's what we seem to have been seeing since the late 1970s. So that essentially is a, pretty much what we can say. We've only made one trip carry uh, to that vicinity so far, and we do intend to go back probably before the end of August, uh, hopefully with Ben, and uh, we'll see what, what there is to see. Uh, we're in constant touch with the people there. Uh, there is also, I should mention, uh, a uh, possible alien abductions going on, whatever that phenomenon may be. Uh, people believe, uh, one or two people believe they are being uh, abducted, and uh, we have not yet gotten into that. So you name it, and it pretty much takes place in these flap areas, and this Pennsylvania region is no exception. Uh, also, one thing you see in these areas uh, almost always is the presence of the military, or something that looks like the military. And why is that? Because as we often say, uh, wouldn't we like to harness the the uh, paranormal, uh, as in time slips, and the ability to seemingly control space and time uh, with you know military technology. I mean, wouldn't we like to harness that for that purpose, weaponize the paranormal, as it were? So we think that may be one um, uh, phenomenon there as well. Uh, one of the the people we stayed with, uh, the gentleman who was a rather a brilliant artist, uh, was saying that that. Uh, Military aircraft fly have flown very low over this land, and he believes that they have been dro- they, they were dropping something at one point, a, sort of a residue of some kind, and he collected samples of it. So these are all things that we're going to be looking into, and uh, you name it, it's happening there. And somehow uh, the military or somebody in authority always tends to turn up. So there we have it. So that's all we know so far, Kerry, on that case in Pennsylvania, and we'll be filling you in as we go on that as much as we can say. Um, and we don't like to speculate. Well, I guess we do speculate a lot, but but uh, we don't like to um, say this is the way it is until we're, we're really sure. And you never really can be sure on the paranormal. All right, so uh, here's another one from uh, Kathleen, and Kathleen does not say where she is from. 
Uh, Kathleen says, I've read Nick Redfern's book on this and listened to a couple interviews, then did some research in biogenetics. Uh, Nick Redfern, by the way, is a very, very well-known uh, paranormal investigator, uh, sort of a renaissance man of the paranormal. He's uh, very much uh, up on the subject of men in black, which are these turn up in flap areas too. Uh, he knows about cryptids, uh, all sorts of th- cryptids being uh, unclassified animals like Bigfoot or Loch Ness Monster, whatever. And uh, Nick has been on the show many times, a uh, very, very articulate um, speaker and very good author. Anyway, go back to Kathleen's note here. The idea gets its steam from the fact that it's not clear to medical science why there should be an RH negative blood factor at all since it causes some evolutionary problems and few currently ascertained benefits. Okay, uh, um, I'm not really ready to talk about this yet. Ben is, and he's not here. So actually, we're, we're going to put this one off for the time being. Uh, with apologies to uh, to Kathleen, uh, we will get to that. And hopefully in the next Open Line show, probably in September when Ben is there, because he knows about this. Okay, here's one from Ju... Uh, uh, says her, oh, no, uh, uh, Ren... Her, uh, I guess her name is Wren. Okay, and Wren um, does not say where she is from, but the, the subject is Parallel Worlds and the Law of Attraction. Uh, hi, Paul. I enjoyed your appearance on Noreen Balovich's recent YouTube live stream program. Okay, that was... Um, thanks for responding to my question about airports and booms. Okay, I'll explain this in a minute. The boom sounded just like a metal trash dumpster when the garbage truck has emptied it and put it back under the asphalt, but that couldn't have happened here because uh, there are no trash dumpsters in my neighborhood. Now, th- this refer now I'll go I'll refer I'll tell you the show that this refers to. Uh, I'm on other people's shows a lot, and uh, Noreen Balovich is a is a, a really good uh, has a really good show, and it's. Uh, uh, do you believe? And it's it's. Uh, no, I'm sorry. That, that's George Nuri's show. Anyway, lo- you can go on YouTube and look. Uh, do a search on Noreen Balovich, B-A-L-O-V-I-C-H, and then maybe put my name, and then this show will come up. It was about the Mandela effect. Okay, the M- Mandela, as in Nelson Mandela, and all these people seem to. This is what the show was about. All these people seem to have parallel memories uh, or alternative memories of. In this case, Nelson Mandela having died in prison. Nelson Mandela being the the uh, the hero of the anti-apartheid uh, movement in South Africa, particularly in the 70s and 80s, 60s, 70s and 80s. And uh, he did not die in prison. He became president of South Africa after apartheid was done away with. That did a rather good job, and he died as a very old man. But all these people uh, seem to come uh, up with these these alternative memories of having either been Nelson Mandela or or that he had uh, or mostly that he had died in prison. Oh, I saw in the newspaper that he died in prison. This happens a lot. Now, uh, so th- that's the show that this is referring to, I believe, uh, because I'm on Noreen's show rather frequently, but not uh, th- this is the last uh, the last time. And I know that there was a um, a question uh, from. Uh, Ren about that uh, in the chat room or whatever they do on that show. Uh, okay. Uh, now she's referring to these strange sounds. Yeah, this, this was a little bit off topic um, for that show, but the, the, the idea of, st- and we've done shows on this, particularly with um, uh, Linda Moulton Howe, who will be on in a few weeks, and we'll catch up on this subject, but th- these strange sounds being heard in the atmosphere and uh, around um, in the woods sometimes uh, in different parts of the world, <clears throat> and they can be rather frightening. 
uh, <coughs> some of them sound rather metallic, such as this this boom she's talking about. Uh, there are all sorts of sounds th- that people hear uh, are recorded, heard by huge populations, and no one really knows what causes them. One of the phenomena here in New England that has been reported in the last 10 years, uh, people will sometimes be at the beach and will hear a huge boom coming in over the water. Now, people say, well, you know, maybe that's a, uh, what we used to call the sonic boom when they first invented in the 1950s uh, and 60s aircraft that could travel faster than sound. The phenomenon would occur that w- when they reached that speed, uh, the air could no longer get out of the way and there would be this boom created. And you'd, you'd be sitting as a kid on a Saturday afternoon uh, playing out in the yard and everybody heard this boom. But nobody was afraid because they knew it was an airplane. But the thing is, today, I get that that still happens, I guess. But but the 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 designs of the aircraft have pretty much eliminated that, which is why you really don't hear them anymore. So when you do hear a sound like that, it could be anything, uh, but probably not what it used to be in, in the sense of a uh, sonic phenomenon of, of uh, modern avionics has pretty much eliminated that. So. Um, uh, it's difficult to say what these sounds are. Uh, I suggest you go back and listen to some, sh- some of our shows on that subject, uh, particularly, again, with Linda Moulton Howell will be on in a few weeks. So um, I, I don't know. Uh, there could be anything. If you live in a neighborhood, it could be anything. So I'll go on to the next paragraph here of, Ka- of um, Wren's uh, letter. Um, I'm a follower of the Law of Attraction, which was popularized by the DVD book The Secret. And I haven't seen that. The principle involves very basically asking the universe, using very specific language and feeling that your request is already a done deal, uh, for anything, an item, a relationship, etc., that you want, and the universe will rearrange whatever events necessary to manifest your request. It works. All right? I have used it successfully. However... I wonder if it involves the concept of parallel worlds. Does the universe rearrange people and events to fill your request, or does it shift the person who made the request into a world that is more compliant to filling it? Obviously, uh, and the, the Balovitz show, and this is me, not not uh, Rand talking, um, I brought in the multiple worlds theory to explain why people have memories that are not necessarily confabulation, as a psychologist would call it, but have memories that are, are actual memories from parallel realities where they're living. I said that, that's, that's one possibility. And the last sentence of this paragraph from Ren's letter, uh, lately I feel as if I may have been shifted to a more compliant world. Well, that sounds rather pleasant, Ren. Um, one of the things I learned in, in dealing with shamans over the years, particularly I'm thinking of one in Australia whom I often mention, his name was Minda Louie, I spent time with him in 1979, and another one in the, the, the Cree people in Quebec, was that they said, be very, it's, it really is summed up in the old term, be careful what you wish for, all right? Because when, if this is correct and you can manipulate worlds in which you live, and I think you can, I think that the vast, what we, I think we as beings are made up of certainly our brains and bodies, okay? Hopefully we have brains. And then uh, underneath that, this vast uh, subconscious, which I think is essentially made up of, and the findings on this may be worded in a different way, but I think it's essentially made up of of lives we're living in parallel realities um, everywhere and everyone, not everywhere and everyone, but but a lots of lots of different places within this this multiverse as it, as it's been called for the last century and, and 
or so, century and a quarter, and that essentially is um, a, a, an elegant community of interacting worlds. Sometimes you get flap areas where things that are very alien will interact with us, and sometimes you just get things where you are interacting with yourself. I've often pointed out that you know that that guardian angel who. Um, you you think maybe made you turn the car at the last moment before the the Mack truck came down on you, it may have been yourself in a more aware parallel reality. And again, you're you're all connected. We're all connected with our, our different lives in the, in these these realities. Sounds strange, uh, but I think that's pretty much what it is. And I think it explains the paranormal. And the trouble with our current world, and I said this on this show that uh, Rain is referring to, was that. Uh, we are very narrow in our understanding. Our paradigm is very limited. And uh, when I worked in psych hospitals, psychiatric hospitals, uh, many years ago, I would run into people all the time who were diagnosed schizophrenic because they were hearing voices, having parallel memories, and seeing things. Well, there are plenty of people who are entirely normal who are doing that, and they may be experiencing parallel realities. All right? So that, but the, but I think Ren's question here is, can we control these parallel realities? Um, I think in a way we can, but I think very often when you try to do it, and this again comes from what I l- learned from these shamans, at least it's their opinion. When you try to do it, you don't know what the the uh, collateral phenomena will be. In other words, if you try to change your, I don't know, say, say a relationship, everybody seems to be interested in relationships. If you try to change a relationship and somebody you could couldn't give you the time of day you want, you want to have a relationship with that person and all of a sudden you do and, and if it is the uh, result of your uh, operating within the multiverse and, and doing what shamans do which is going into parallel worlds getting what's needed in this one and, and collapsing the wave function as a physicist would say making it real in this world shamans usually do that uh, to heal someone or to uh, uh, whatever people need and, and they that's their lives and uh, I think when you do that, you don't know what else you've done. Uh, for example, all right, I've done a few experiments with this too. I, I don't, maybe not to the point Ren has. Um, here's an example. I um, we had a guest who said it was very easy to bend uh, spoons. Now, spoon bending is an old trick, and and uh, Yuri Geller was known for it. But I have information that he didn't really do it. Uh, and you can essentially bend metal, and the physical principle involves somehow softening the metal with the power of your mind and it, it bends uh, either by itself or very easily um, I think don't, t- don't tell Ben I said this but because but he's, uh, he's on a plane right now but he um, uh, all the spoons in our kitchen drawer when he was growing up were always bent I blamed him I don't think it was me so anyway I tried to do that taking the advice of our guest and uh, I didn't bend any spoons but all of a sudden my printer wouldn't work on my computer in my, my home office and over there and there was a huge metal uh, like paper clip and I didn't even own anything like that there was no such thing in the house a huge metal paper clip and I had to it was in the the, the inner workings of the printer now there's now the printer's up on a high shelf anyway near the ceiling there, there's no way there was even anything like that in the house never mind in the printer so what did I do? Did, did, did I did I materialize something uh, unintentionally into this printer? I should have asked my neighbors if they had any missing giant paper clips. And it was metal, and, and I ended up having to replace the, the darn printer, right? 
So, I mean, I have no idea what that was. But again, I think when you try and do something, you can have unexpected results. I think it's far better. Now, Rand, if you can do that, that more power to you, But literally. But I, I think that if you let your subconscious do the work, uh, the other aspects of your lives in the multiverse will know what you need, pretty much. And, and a lot of them are a lot smarter than we are here. And I, I really think that's how it works. And then you won't wreck your printer. Most of the time. So, anyway, I, I think, uh, yes, uh, to answer Ren's question, uh, I think you are, you can manifest all this different stuff. If it works, fine. But I wonder what else you changed. You know? Maybe you came into a world where, where one of, uh, somebody you know, maybe one of their loved ones doesn't exist anymore. Something like that. Because they wouldn't probably know that. But, uh, you know, I, but we, we get all kinds of, um, messages from people on the show here listeners who say well you know i woke up and all of a sudden th- th- this was different and uh it, and it's you say well gee maybe they're just confabulating you know false memories as a psychiatrist might say uh then again when you have photographic evidence that something was different or when other people remember it that's when you kind of sit up and take notice of the mandela effect as the uh, modern uh, label has it so um, I think, but again, I think that um, uh, the universe maybe does rearrange people and events to fill your requests sometimes. However, I think that the, the, the key here, and I think the whole New Age movement misses this, is that it's not about you, it's not about me, it's about us. And I talk about this in, in my book, Turning Home, uh, God, Ghost, and Human Destiny, that I think that is the key. We together manipulate the multiverse because even in in the basic uh, you know the Heisenberg uncertainty principle in physics the observer changes the reality of what he or she is observing I think uh, taken to the macro level that's what we're talking about so as an example of that I can sit here all day uh, and and like wish for peace in the world okay wish for like an end of terrorism or that everybody gets along uh, even, or, or that the Republicans and Democrats don't demonize each other and things of this kind. But it probably won't do any good. I think if, um, you're listening, if you're in, in your place of worship and whoever's leading the service, priest, minister, whoever, uh, says pray for peace and everybody does it, I think that has an effect. And I'll give you an example. When I worked at the Providence Journal as an editor, believe it or not, uh, many years ago, uh, there was a, uh, I think it was, I think it was transcendental meditation. One of those meditation movements was meeting at the Civic Center in Providence, Rhode Island. All right, and I was in the newsroom at the Journal, and, and a lot of people were kind of laughing. Some of my colleagues were kind of laughing at this because they were meditating for peace in the Civic Center, and there were thousands of people at this thing. And I said, "Don't be so sure that this is a waste of time." Sure enough, within the next six months after this event at the Civic Center. There were, there were, I believe, three major peace treaties signed, two brush fire wars ended, and things kind of calmed down for a while. And I think it's entirely possible that this meditation experience may have done some good. So when we work together, we do a lot more than we could ever do alone. And that brings us to our break with me yakking for the last half hour. Uh, you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno, just Paul today. And uh, you're listening to ON 1240, WON, in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. And we'll be right back. Hi, 
I'm Russ Gorman. It was written in the stars, and what was written in the stars will be. Your astrological chart is based on the positions the planets were in on the day you were born, influencing your destiny, past, present, and future. I've had decades of experience doing charts with a large celebrity clientele and others all over the world. The stars are a beacon lighting your future. Your chart provides the answers to questions on health, money, relationships, all your most important concerns. The in-depth guidance that you need is here for you. If there's a windfall in your chart, I'll find it. Call me at 401-333-4048 to order your chart or update, revealing the exciting changes coming up. Let me tell you how to get the most out of your future and keep you moving forward. I'm available for speaking engagements, for clubs and groups, and for private parties. Call me at 401 401- Three 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 four zero four eight. Benefit through my years of experience. Okay, now we're back behind the paranormal, and uh, I just wanted to uh, remind you of some charities that Ben and I have adopted on the show, and uh, we'll tell you more about those at uh, the announcement period. Uh, certainly, several for veterans, and one for the folks in Haiti who are still recovering from that awful earthquake more than ten years ago. Uh, and another charity uh, for the uh, uh, disadvantaged kids in Los Angeles, and uh, we'll talk about that in a bit. Okay, so let's get back. Uh, our, our, we apparently are without our guest uh, tonight, uh, I should say this afternoon, so um, I just wanted to finish up um, uh, Ren's letter here. Um, she says she is a uh, native of Rhode Island, and but does not live here anymore, and uh, Mrs. Narragansett. <laughs> Uh, anyway, that's great. And she refers to Dell's Lemonade, which is uh, something you wouldn't know about if you're an outworlder. Um, it's a famous drink here, and uh, we have a lot of strange things we eat and drink in Rhode Island. I'm not a native either. I'm from Connecticut originally, but I've been here for 40 years, so I guess I'm naturalized by now. So anyway, thank you very much for your very thoughtful letter, Ren, and we will be dealing more with those subjects as we go uh, over the next uh, few months. All right, now here is um, another one from Facebook. Uh, and th- this is from uh, Brandy in Chilliwack, British Columbia. Now, with all the questions you have addressed on your show over the years, I do not think I have heard you address this one. Why do so many people who have had UFO experiences become very religious after the experience? Could they be predisposed to temporal lobe experiences, and maybe that would explain the UFO experience and the religious temperament at the same time? Well, that's a very good and thoughtful question, Brandy. Thank you. Um, the temporal lobe experiences are often... Um, are, are the temporal lobe is a part of the brain, and it is the place where uh, supposedly imagination and and uh, many of the the uh, uh, well what would be called in psychology transpersonal experiences occur, spiritual experiences, things of this kind, and it has been um, theorized that people who have well some of the famous. Uh, experiences at Fatima or Lourdes, uh, appearances of the Virgin Mary, things of this kind. That these these were people who were disposed of this kind of thing because of temporal lobe experiences. Not that the experience was necessarily false, uh, but that they uh, w- w- their 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 brain was more like a radio was more attuned to it than yours or mine might be. So that that's what the temporal lobe experience is, is referring to here in Brandy's note. So uh, the the as well as UFO experiences uh, might be included in that. Uh, I think that there may be something to this. One of the more interesting things about, and I've gotten into this with Kevin Cook, who's written, written several books on the, the uh, experience of, of appearances of the Virgin Mary, is that when you look at Lourdes, 
uh, in France or Fatima in Portugal where the most famous Marian apparitions of the uh, 19th and 20th centuries took place, you find that the grottos and little caves where they occurred were locally known in their in their the history of their folklore as fairy caves. People had lots of other kinds of experiences in those very same places. So it's not as if these these shepherd kids just sort of showed up one day and all of a sudden the Virgin Mary appeared to them. Maybe th- that may very well be so. And in fact, the Roman Catholic Church has approved those as legitimate miracles. And fine, that that's fine. But the areas were also known as uh, areas of other paranormal paranormal activity. I've even heard, and this is secondhand, that in the area of Lourdes, uh, there there were Bigfoot sightings. So again, flap areas maybe, maybe who knows? But nobody sort of brings it all together. Uh, so I think that this is this is quite an interesting um, interesting question. Uh, but again, it doesn't necessarily mean that the experiences were not real. Maybe they were interpreted differently. Because one thing that strikes me about appearances of the Virgin Mary brandy is that they're very different from one another. Uh, there is, um, I, the, the people who are not Roman Catholic are a little bit bothered by the fact that they're very often very Roman Catholic, at least the, the messages that are delivered. But if you go over to uh, the um, La Salette Shrine, there's a very famous La Salette Shrine here in the southern New England. It's in Attleboro, Massachusetts. And a lot of us in the area go over, uh, they have an incredible Christmas light display uh, in December, and it's uh, the, the the big thing you want to do is be there when when they light it for the evening. You know, bring bring kids. It's just just great. And uh, but there is a statue there. You know, with the greatest respect to the to the La Salette fathers, uh, whom I I have had a lot. You know, I myself was a student for the priesthood, not for them, but I knew a lot of them. Terrific people. And uh, but there's a statue there of of the um, the appearance of the Virgin Mary that helped start the order, and. Uh, Mary is is like bending over crying and she's got a crown. I mean, she looks just like the Greek goddess Hera. The question is, maybe the people who started the idea of of the Greek goddess Hera had an experience with the Virgin Mary. That would have been long before she was born. So, But these things get all tangled up because I think they're really multiverse experiences. Doesn't mean they're any less divine. I mean, God would use his own laws of nature to manifest things. Uh, it's not magic. It's science. So whatever these things may be, uh, those who experience them may very well, as Brandy suggests, be having temporal lobe experiences. And it's funny, uh, as, you, as you go through the history of the spiritual experience in human uh, life uh, throughout the folklore and legend of our, of our species, uh, you, you begin to see things that are, the interpretation, the experiences may be the same, but the interpretations are different. In other words, when um, the Romans, Roman armies would report uh, flying objects in the sky, and this happened more than once, according to the records, uh, they they would report flying shields in the sky. Okay, I'm trying, at the top of my head, I can't think which particular battles they were, but there were several. It's as as if these things were observing the battles. And they, they, of course, thought they were uh, conveyances of the gods or something like that. And to them, they were. Uh, whereas today, uh, or at least in the uh, last century, people would report flying discs, flying saucers. I don't think the Romans, well, the Romans had saucers. I don't know. They drank tea every afternoon, but they had 
you know, so, so that they saw them as shields and people in the last century saw them as, as saucers or discs. And today, in the 21st century, people are seeing uh, orbs and uh, flat, you know, flattened orbs, disc-like orbs, balls of light, this kind of thing. So maybe the experiences of the, maybe the phenomenon is the same, but the, the people who are looking at them put them in their own context. And that's what we often say on the show, that, uh, you know, the religious experiences of today that, that our ancestors would have, would have interpreted as gods, we interpreted, we interpret as orbs, uh, craft from outer space, or aliens. Maybe the experience was the same. Would there be religion, as, as we know it today, if people had not thought, if our remote answers had not thought they were dealing with supernatural beings, having supernatural experiences? Maybe it all had to do with temporal lobe uh, experiences, but again, doesn't mean that they weren't really seeing something. Uh, one of the examples of that was when we had, uh, and we have to have him back, it's been years since we had Dr. Michael Persinger on the show. He was from Sudbury University in Ontario, Canada, and he had invented... He was curious about these phenomena, and temporal lobe phenomena particularly, and spiritual experiences and all this, near-death experiences, that sort of thing. And he invented, among other things, what he refers to as the God Helmet. Ben got a big kick out of that. He was only 16 when we had him on the show. And uh, we were about to, to, to blow him out of the water, or try to, with the idea, that, are you saying, Dr. Persinger, that because you can stimulate these experiences in the laboratory, that they're not real experiences? He said, no, not at all. So all you're doing is stimulating, uh, possibly, maybe that could be false, or you're stimulating the parts of the brain that pick up the real experiences. So we, we ended up having a terrific discussion and uh, learning a lot from that as we try to learn from all our guests. So again, that's an example of perhaps what Brandy is saying here. We may have um, been predisposed to temporal lobe experiences. And you know what's really strange uh, on that theme? We very often hear reports from one, two, or three people who, ha- who were in a group who had UFO experiences, sometimes very dramatic ones, and they were in a larger group, and the other people in the group didn't see the craft or the entities or whatever that they were reporting. And, and when, when one person is the only one who sees it, you know, naturally you begin to question, but when there are several, uh, you begin to, well, maybe there's something to this. So maybe those three people in that case were predisposed to these temporal lobe experiences. So um, th- that could very well be the case. As in everything in the paranormal, we just don't know for sure. But, Brandy, thank you for a very good and thoughtful question. Uh, very well worth uh, pursuing in another show. Uh, now we have one from Todd, and we do not know where Todd is from. This came in over Facebook. And our Facebook pages, by the way, I have a personal one. Paul Eno, you're welcome to look at that or friend me or whatever, as long as you're not a crook. Uh, and then the uh, show has a page behind the paranormal uh, has a Facebook page as well, and we always announce uh, what our f- uh, shows will be for the coming week, and um, you know, and very often we'll put on uh, the announcement that the uh, particular recorded show was available uh, for that uh, uh, week, uh, the following weekend on Facebook. So we use Facebook for a lot. So Todd writes, I would love to see a psychological profile, the psychological profiles of some of the people you talk about. You seem like two of the saner voices in a crazy field. Do you look into the psychological profiles of people that tell you their experiences? Uh, do you find that the same personality types have paranormal things happen to them? That kind of uh, carries on from Brandy's question. Psychological profiles are... I don't put a lot of stock in those. Now, again, I'm not a scientist, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a psychiatrist, but I did do a lot of graduate work in psychology, uh, abnormal psychology in particular, uh, specifically to look at 
people in this field. But it's very difficult to pin down those things, and I don't like to pretend that I'm a psychologist when I'm not. Uh, there's also medical confidentiality, which is very difficult. That being said, in our initial interviews with people in cases, uh, we, unless we have a, a large group and have to do it gradually, uh, we will always uh, ask questions about the medical, we ask very personal questions about a person's medical history, use of drugs, uh, any treatment that has been uh, rendered to them, either psychological or, or physical, uh, medical treatment at all. And these things can all figure in. But again, you never know for sure. Now, th- somehow, when you've done this as long as we have, you you begin to, when, when someone is BSing, so to speak, you kind of begin to pick it up. Uh, when someone is um, kind of uh, totally self-absorbed and narcissistic, you can kind of pick that up. Um, the sincerity does kind of come across. Maybe you can misinterpret it, but uh, the answer to answer the question: we, we don't we don't really look at psychological profiles unless the person's psychologist or psychiatrist, if there is one, is willing to show them to us, and that has happened on a couple of occasions because they they believe that we were uh, sincerely trying to help. But it hasn't happened often, and it most often happens with psychiatric social workers, okay? Because they uh, they very often will. I, I've had, I, I'm thinking of one psychiatric social worker we, were, we worked with for a time uh, here in Rhode Island who said that we were, we were more skeptical about the paranormal than she was because the people who see paranormal, um, people who have had paranormal problems most often are clergy, of course, who don't usually know what the heck to do about it because they they're not trained. Police officers, as in the Bridgeport case of 1974 where stuff was flying around the house and they all saw it, and and psychiatrists slash psychologists. Now they're not the same thing. Uh, psychiatrists are, uh, in my opinion, a little too pharmaceutical. Psychologists uh, a lot less so, and I think can um, help you uh, if you need that sort of uh, work done uh, medically. And uh, so those are the three groups that really see that. But um, psychiatric social workers are very often see it more than other people in that field because they they will they will. Respond. They're often kind of like psychological first responders, so to speak, psychiatric first responders. And uh, very often they've told me they've witnessed phenomena themselves. Um, when I was working in uh, state hospitals in Connecticut and uh, New York back in the 70s, uh, the doctors uh, had us in there, the, the priest and myself, because there were things happening often in other parts of a room from where the patient was, was located uh, that obviously was not caused by the patient and uh, possible paranormal explanation very very hush hush was maintained so uh that's that's a long answer to a short question todd um but then the last part of your question is do you find that the same personality types have paranormal things happen to them uh very often no sometimes yes sometimes it's very difficult to say that for example you might say that someone with with, uh, the the um tendency to be religious or the tendency to be uh, uh, credulous in reference to supernatural things or paranormal things. Now, but somebody who believes in ghosts is more likely to see a ghost. That's not always the case. Some of the most upset people Ben and I have dealt with are professionals, very often medical professionals, uh, who will come up to us after lectures and they're all shaken up and say, you know, I did this and this happened and I, you know, I never believed this. And, and this had never happened to me before, and that, that's a common, relatively common occurrence. So um, the, only, the, the only possible commonality here among all these different kinds of people who experience these things, believers and non-believers, is, as Brandy suggested in her note, 
that maybe there they are people who are predisposed to temporal lobe experiences, who are whose brains are attuned more to these sorts of stimuli, and therefore will see these things uh, or hear these things. Uh, sometimes people we find that people have the personality type that they, that they they just sort of clam up. I suppose you could call it. Um, I'm not sure what you'd call it, but they they will clam up about it. They hear it, they see it, and they don't tell anybody about it. That can be a problem with anything, and there are times when you need to talk about these things. So there are all kinds of personality types who do this. Maybe they are predisposed to temporal lobe experiences. So that's the best way I can answer that, Todd, and thank you for the uh, excellent question. Now here is, uh, I guess we have time for one more anyway, yeah, brief one. This one is from Nancy in McKeesport, Pennsylvania. Uh, this is, uh, and she says, Paul, I saw you on the Travel Channel about objects being haunted. I think that's funny because I was in that I was in that broadcast, The Curses of New England. It was called. I was in there for about a minute because the producer didn't like what I was saying. She wanted me to be spooky and skeletons and all that. Anyway, uh, I think my son has a haunted basketball. It belongs to his half brother that, that died. It does not try to hurt him. It just keeps moving by itself and never stays where he puts it. I saw it myself rolling across the floor by itself. What do we do? I do not feel right getting rid of it. Well, Nancy, I think that might be something we'll want to deal with uh, when Shane is here next week on our real open line show. But uh, And I think we'll talk about that again then. But just briefly, uh, what I said on that on that show, The Curses of New England, was... That you can have objects that, and you can think of it as, and maybe a lot of young people will understand this now because uh, vinyl records are coming back. And now when I was growing up, that's all we had. We didn't have even cassette tape players. Uh, maybe people don't know what those are anymore. But you think of a vinyl record, which is a wide disc, flat disc. And uh, the metaphor I like to use is, is picture lumps in that disc. Okay? And th- th- you're in the center. And this is your, well, let's call it a consciousness wave that kind of spreads out from the center of this disc. And these lumps are things that you know, things that you love, people you love, all the things in, in your life that are material objects or and or people. Okay. Um, when your consciousness wave intersects with another consciousness wave, which happens all the time, and someone takes say this actually happened in, in one case that turned out going on it turned out to be going on for 10 years uh, it took us 10 years to uh, kind of resolve it and even then the people had to move people took a table out of their basement put it outside because they were cleaning stuff out and all hell broke loose pretty much literally okay parasites came in and there, there were all kinds of problems this is right here in Rhode Island right in our listening area and so the the idea might could be, that this table was, let's say, a lump in someone's, someone else's consciousness wave somewhere or somewhere in the multiverse. They moved it, created a disruption, which ruptured one or two membranes that separate these parallel worlds. And, and this is physics, brains, B-R-A-N-E-S, membranes. And most physicists, a lot of physicists don't interpret it this way, but some do. And something came through that that created problems in that, in that, in that space in our reality. Okay, it could be just that and nothing more to it so that i think is what we may be talking about as far as quote haunted objects the objects are not haunted it's just that something that was done with them ruptured the normal boundaries between the space-time uh streams of these worlds and they collided 
intersected or overlapped or overwashed, and you had paranormal issues that, were, that could have resulted from that. So I think that's essentially what uh, we may, may be dealing with. Uh, this basketball, we'll talk more about this with Shane, because Shane is a really sharp investigator, and he uh, will be with, uh, with me next week for the Open Line show and uh, can perhaps uh, add some more uh, light to this, because I know he's, he's run into these things himself. But the basketball, if there's, and, but I would ask you by the, in the meantime, uh, if, if there's anything else that's going on in your house that is, uh, that you believe may be paranormal, it, it may be relevant to this thing moving around. Uh, and I know, I know somewhat, probably one explanation Shane's going to give and that he's, and that's going to be that he, uh, may interpret this as just being, uh, where you are. It may not be paranormal at all. It could just be the, uh, the, the electromagnetic fields coming up out of the ground that may be moving the basketball. I mean, it could be as simple as that. But then other, there would be other effects as well. Uh, sound, infrasound, uh, standing wave in the house that you can't hear, but will, might make objects move, things of this kind. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll deal with that in more depth next week. And thank you for writing that in. And we'll start, we'll start with you next week. Nancy from McKeesport, Pennsylvania. Thank you. Okay, that's probably about all we have time for. We'll get to our announcements here. Okay, and, uh, <coughs> So, all right, okay. Join us in Exeter, New Hampshire on Saturday and Sunday, September 3rd and 4th, for the Exeter UFO Festival. Uh, this is a really fun annual event sponsored by the Exeter Kiwanis Club to benefit local children's charities. And the whole town, merchants, restaurants, everybody gets into the act. Uh, the bars named drinks after aliens. It's really a lot of fun. Uh, and drink some of them. You're going to be seeing aliens. Anyway, it's, um, it's, it's a lot of fun. So, so check it out and come up um, and see us there. Along with ourselves, speakers will include Richard Dolan, Kathleen Marden, Denise Stoner, Larry Holcomb, St- uh, Stephen Mather. Oh, I guess Larry's not going to be able to go there. But anyway, Stephen Mather Lees, Peter Robbins, and Ryan Mullahay, almost all of whom have been on the show and are um, familiar to our listeners. Uh, we will present a new talk on more strange connections, UFOs, cryptids, and ghosts, which we'll get into a lot of the flappers. And, and uh, if, Carrie, if you're listening, we will be getting into that Pennsylvania case a little more uh, at that time with some illustrations uh, in our uh, presentation. So uh, we will also, at, on the, at, that's going to be on Saturday. We're going to be at, uh, I think, 2.40 in the afternoon. We're going to start and go to a little bit after 4 o'clock uh, for our presentation. It'll be the last presentation of the day on Saturday. And on Sunday, uh, that's September 4th, in our usual time slot, uh, we'll do a live broadcast here on WON uh, from the Exeter Town Hall with all the event speakers and a live audience. So that's going to be the first time we've ever done that. Uh, ben is going to set it up because he's, he'll be back by then and he's a sound uh, engineer. So hopefully we do it right because a lot of people are going to be listening. Uh, if you can't make it to the event, listen in on September 4th. That's noon to 1 p.m., uh, W-O-N 1240 here, uh, or the Simple Radio app by Streama if you're in other areas. There are a lot of good reports on that app, Simple Radio app by Streama, S-T-R-E-E-M-A. Uh, particularly from our U.K. and Australia listeners who said they can never get the show live. Uh, now they can thanks to that app. So, after that, on Friday and Saturday, October 7th and 8th, uh, we'll be back at the Greater New England UFO Conference at City Hall in Lemonster, Massachusetts. That's another great fun event, and uh, we urge you to uh, check that out on our website, BehindTheParanormal.com, and there's a link to take you to the information on that. We'll, we'll be feeding you info as that comes in. On Sunday, October 16th, join us at Roger Williams Park in Providence, Rhode Island for the Taking Steps for Crohn's and Colitis Charity Walk. 
uh, to join us and the rest of the team behind the paranormal team behind the paranormal uh, or to just donate see the link at behindtheparanormal.com just scroll down there and there's a big picture of Ben and I and uh, some other people who participated a few years ago hit that and it'll take you right to the page uh, where you can uh, sign up and find out more. Uh, the week is two to th- uh, the walk. The walk is two to three miles and begins at 10 a.m. Uh, there will be uh, more information uh, here on WON 1240 as the date approaches. Uh, we will be broadcasting live from that event because that's a Sunday and it will overlap our time period so we're going to broadcast from there uh, we're going to have Shane Searway with us we're going to have author Bill Hall uh, who are going to come participate in the walk and be on our show with us and uh, we'll see what uh, anything paranormal uh, I don't think anything's going to happen on the walk but we'll see if uh, anybody else wants to join us it should be a lot of fun and again a very different kind of show uh, now if you donate $15 or more uh, via our team page that we just uh, told you about the link uh, for. And and if you walk with us on the 16th of October, you'll get a free Behind the Paranormal ON1240 Taking Steps for Crohn's and Colitis t-shirt to mark the occasion. So uh, $15 or more and you get a free shirt. Now, as you can see, October is going to be pretty busy for Ben and myself. And on Tuesday, October 18th, we'll speak at the monthly MUFON. That's Mutual UFO Network, very credible group. Uh, that that event in the Philadelphia area, that'll be at 6.30 p.m. at the, and I'll never learn to pronounce this, at the Tredofrin Public Library, 582 Upper Gulf Road in Wayne, Pennsylvania. And you can visit MainlineMUFON.com for details on that, and we'll tell you more as we go. Meanwhile, find out more about the show, our public appearances, and more at BehindTheParanormal.com, where you'll find nearly 700 free recorded shows from both ON1240 and our four-and-a-half-year run on CBS Radio, along with special shows and podcasts. A lot of people say they listen to them at work, which makes me a little nervous. I hope they're not, like, running drawbridges or something like that. Um, our forthcoming book, Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong, by Paul Eno and Ben Eno, is now available for pre-order on the publisher's website. That's schifferbooks.com, S-C-H-I-F-F-E-R, schifferbooks.com, and just do a search there on be- for Behind the Paranormal. Or use the link on the behindtheparanormal.com site, and it's also available for pre-order on amazon.com. Now, that book is slated for release uh, by Schiffer in January, Toward the end of January, there will be a release party of some kind, probably here in our listening area, and we'll let you know about that as we go. You can find my other books on Amazon.com, Amazon Kindle, and Barnes and Noble Nook. Uh, but if you buy them directly at BehindTheParanormal.com, I will sign them for you, and you will help us keep all those podcasts free, uh, recorded shows free. Also on our websites, you'll find direct links to, to several of the charities I hinted at before uh, that we've adopted. That includes usacares.org. They do great stuff uh, for veterans of the war on terror uh, if, if they have financial need. Also for our friends to the north, Canadian Veterans Advocacy, uh, advocating uh, federal and uh, provincial levels for uh, veterans there. Uh, also Youth Mentoring Connection. That's uh, YMC, Youth Mentoring Connection, uh, in Los Angeles, youthmentoring.org. And Tony LeRae out there uh, doing great things for at-risk youth. Now, the charities we support on this show, including HelpForHaiti.com, which is headquartered right here in Rhode Island, these are pe- I know the people who run these charities. And we don't even mention charities where most of the money you give goes for administration. These are great folks, they're great charities, and the money gets where it has to go, so you can trust any charity uh, we report on this show, because we know the people involved. Uh, now, as uh, we move along here, uh, I just wanted to tell you that uh, there are uh, two books of interest to our 
Local listeners here, certainly the Bell Witch Project from Global Communications Publishing, and that includes a whole chapter, uh, uh, so some material by me, and they even stuck my name on the cover, so that's available from Amazon.com, it's called The Bell Witch Project, and UFO Repeaters, uh, which is a great book with an entire chapter on our old friend Joe Ferrier, talk show host on ON uh, 1240 here for over 50 years, and a 1960s UFO expert. So next Sunday, uh, August 7th, we'll bring you an open line show, as I said. Uh, ben will still not be back from Movie Land, but we will have our good friend and colleague Shane Searway, as I mentioned, TrueGhost.com. Uh, check out that site. We'll have uh, we'll continue with our, our uh, open lines. Uh, we leave you this afternoon with a thought from none other, than, none other than Gautama the Buddha: Do not dwell in the past. Do not dream of the future. Concentrate the mind on the present moment. I'm Paul Eno, and thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey. See you next time. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.